this morning. Thank you so much. Great singing. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the issue that not much has changed in life. 2,000 years ago, they were killing people like crazy. Today, you know, all we hear is another mass shooting. I don't know how many there were over the weekend, but I I did hear of one in Chicago. And um, it just seems like it's ordinary news. Things that we, we see and hear all the time, it doesn't shock us anymore. Let me read you a, a poem and it turned into a, po- a song. A friend of mine turned me on to this the other day, Freddie. <laughs> and uh, I said, Fred, I, I, I need to see that because I'm going to use it this next Sunday. Listen to this. Listen to this. Like the ancient Roman Empire... This world is doomed to fall, and it's much too big of a thing for us mortal men. Just take a look around and see the writing on the wall. Somehow we've got to find a helping hand. This world has never been in the awful shape it's in. We can say that today, huh? And people scorn the things that our leaders do. It's time a prayer was spoken from the heart of every man. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. The mighty roar of gunfire is now a local sound. And our city streets are filled with anger. Law is now a mockery throughout our troubled land. And destruction seems to be the current trend. This world has never been in the awful state, the awful shape that it's in, and our leaders seem in doubt what to do. It's time. It's time a prayer was spoken from the heart of every man. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. Now you, you feel, many of you might know that song. Anybody know it? Anybody know when that was written? 1970. 1970, by the outlaw. You probably don't know him as the outlaw, do you? Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard wrote two songs that had meaning to it. This song, Jesus Take My Hand and Mama's Prayers. Talks about Mama praying him through his time of in prison at San Quentin and even. Not much has changed, has it, in 20 years. Or no, it's more than 20 years now. <laughs> yeah. 1970, what is that, 50 years, huh? Gosh, well, I can say to you, not much has changed in 2,000 years. Um, as we read our scripture today, you'll see what I, I'm saying. Let's read Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60, the end of Stephen's um, prayer, or uh, sermon. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor in God's, at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting 
And they rushed at Peter and dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats. I like this. He just threw this in, you know. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Oh, my. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees and shouting out, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Well, today we don't take them and stone them, we just shoot them, huh? We just shoot them or throw them, throw them all away. You know, we have that woman that threw her dog, threw her baby away this past week and, and because she didn't need them. We don't face all the temptations and struggles and the persecutions that happened uh, 2,000 years ago, but um, we live in the same society that they lived in. We live in the same society today that is non-Christian, Non-Christian, um, and uh, um, the Christian church, like everything, is losing its voice. Even, uh, even the um, United Methodist Church, the Christians and the non-Christians, um, we seem to be losing our voice there, too. Um, it's amazing. Um, nobody knows why. But there's less people um, coming to church today than there was 10 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. Um, and uh, in spite of, can I just put this in? In spite of that big push of having seeker-sensitive churches, we're still losing people. Coast to coast, if you're not being seeker-sensitive, then you've missed the mark, they say. Well, it's still going downhill. We should be concerned about it. And we should be concerned about the political and, and uh, social things that are going on today. I, I don't think there's anything about that. Um, but I want you to know um, the early church, and we should not make that the focus. The focus of our ministry should be, ministry should be spiritual. Um, Do you understand what I mean? I want us to be um, that church that is seeking um, not for people to come to us, but for us to go to them. That's what at the uh, annual conference, uh, Dr. Beck um, really pushed that, that we need to go to where people are instead of thinking they're going to come to us because they're not coming. Amen? No matter what you offer, they're not coming. So we need to do something else. What can we do to better serve um, this nation, you know, the world we live in, um, even this community, getting closer to Lorraine County and um, wherever we live in Lorraine County. Um, we should be seeking not to get them um, change laws and do all that stuff, but we should be seeking to make the spiritual much more focused than, than the um, uh, political and the social and we get caught up in the, and miss the big point that um, we have forgotten because we get into these outside things that um, we as a church and as a, as a Christian body are to do nothing more than change the world. Change the world that we live in. Make it a better place. 
we want to help others experience uh, the abundant life that can be found in Jesus Christ and that they can go through these struggles that we all go through. Um, Our purpose is not political, I guess. That's what I'm saying. And it's not economic. It's all about spiritual things. When you look at the... When you look closely at the writings um, of the early church, um, especially in the book of Acts, you'll see that they had lots of things that they could talk about, social issues, political things, um, (laughs) the Sanhedrin. um, But they didn't do that. The early church didn't do that. If you look closely, and let me give you, if you want to write these down, uh, let me give you just a few things that they they did, uh, the main thing that they did was they talked about Jesus and got them in a lot of problems. In Acts chapter 2, uh, the topic of Peter's sermon is that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord and Lord of all. In Acts chapter 3, the topic of P- Peter's sermon there is that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. In Acts chapter 4, we read that Peter and John were arrested and, uh, for preaching nothing more that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh my, I, I need to get arrested for that. In Acts chapter 6, six and 7, we see that Stephen's sermon um, before the court is nothing but about Jesus Christ being Lord. Lord. That's what the early church talked about. That's what I think we, 2,000 years later, should be talking about. Jesus Christ as our Savior. Our mission is to help people have a life-changing connection with Christ Jesus. Amen? Uh, the United Methodist mission statement is, is what? Burl, do you have it? To ch- we, we are to change the world by making disciples. Yeah, making disciples. So I thought if we are going to do that and be that church, we need to stay focused. Because um, not much has changed. Everything is still the same. Uh, let's take a look at this, this message that um, pre- Peter happened to Peter today in Acts chapter um, 7 and see if we can't guide, get something out of it. First of all, I think if we listen to this very closely and listen to verse 51, um, Peter's nothing but talking about um, uh, the message that he needs to give. Um, his, son, his sermon was um, um, pretty harsh words. Harsh words. Listen to it. It's in verse 51. You stiff-necked people. What would we call them today? You rednecks? You butt faces? You know? Whatever you would want to call them that's rash. You know? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You're just like your fathers. Oh, Lord. You always, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now guess what you have done? You have betrayed him and murdered him too. Uh, that's not getting on their good side, is it? Maybe harsh is not... Maybe harsh is, is um, maybe an understatement. He was pretty blunt, wasn't he? You guys have done it. You've done everything wrong. But Peter wasn't, or Stephen wasn't the only one doing that. We need to listen to Peter in Acts chapter 2 again. He says, um, he's talking to the, to the people around him. You crucified him. You killed him. In Acts chapter 3, he said the same thing. You killed the author of life. In Acts chapter 4, you crucified him who came to save you. 
You crucified him. In Acts chapter 5, Peter said, the God of our fathers uh, raised Jesus from the dead because you killed him. (laughs) No beating around the bush. And then in Acts chapter 6 and 7, Peter or Stephen continued that message. You're responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. Now what I find unique here in this message, and we need to hear it today, sitting right here, at home where we're at, wherever we're at, we need to hear this message. If you listen to it really closely, the question we should ask is, who is Stephen preaching to? Who is Peter preaching to and John? Who are they preaching to? Who are they preaching to at this early time? You know, they're preaching to Christian Jews. Christian Jews. They're not preaching to the people outside of that Jewish hood. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it's okay. They're not, they're not preaching outside of the, if they had an old church like this, they're preaching to the people. They're preaching to the choir. Okay, you got it? They're preaching to the choir, and, and they're, saying, they're saying this very thing. Um, as, they, as we need to understand, they weren't attacking um, people on the outside, the Sanhedrin and those... They were preaching about the. They weren't preaching about the sinfulness of everybody around them. They were denouncing hard the hard-heartedness of of their own people, and it was difficult. I think. I think um, that we. Okay, are you ready for this? I think that we should always wear. Shoes with steel toes on. We as Christians, I think when we come here, we should be challenged in our walk and who we are. And, and uh, we should step on each other's toes. Amen? You know what I'm saying? The message is, is that God wants us to be people who are loving, caring, and um, we need to save those, those hard-hearted uh, uh, Um, words of God's grace, uh, those sermons for all of us so that we can leave this place dedicated to being more of a blessing and an example of who Christ is outside of these walls. That's our message, amen? Not to buy into all the political stuff. I I was down to campground this week, uh, Friday, with um, Claire, and I met some people, and and, um, great people, They asked me what I did, and I told them, I asked them what they did, and they told me, and then we talked politics. Because <laughs> nobody wants to talk religion. And they showed me where they were at, and it was, it was a, a hard thing to sit there. But you know what? When we get on Friday, I'm going back down and sit with them again. You know why? And I'm not going down and say, oh, yeah, by the way, did you know I'm a preacher? <laughs> I hope my actions and my response to everything they say says that. Amen? Our message needs to be the same that Peter and John and the early church and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Stephen preached the message of Christ and his love. It's time that we quit judging the world outside of us. And I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time judging anybody because I'm dealing with Floyd, and he's a handful. Amen? Mm-hmm. 
That's probably what my sister's saying now. (laughs) So let me give you this second thing that I think is important in this. We need to give the same message no matter what the response is. You all get that? We have to have the message that Jesus Christ, Lord of all. He's the one that can change our lives. He's the one that can give us the things we think we can get by ourselves. He's the one that can make things better. But we must remember, when we share that message by our actions, even if we have to speak, we have to remember that the message doesn't change if the response isn't good. No matter what the response is, the message should always stay the same. I think one of the... Excuse me. I think one of the great misconceptions that some people have about um, our contemporary church is they think the message of the gospel has been changed. I I know it, honey, yeah. Isn't that great to hear that? Thanks, Declan. They think the message of the gospel has changed to fit the mood of the people that were around. And I want to tell you that's just not true. I think the methods of how we share the message has changed. As, um, oh, Sue, what's the name of the guy out in Tucson that has the big church? Uh, Anybody know the guy? No? No, he's United Methodist. No. I'll think of it. It'll come. Abbott Hamilton, thank you. Adam Hamilton said, uh, this was his mantra. This is his mantra to this day. He says, I'm willing to do anything in this world to get people to come to church as long as it doesn't compromise the gospel. And he's lived that out, and his church has lived that out. The message must never change that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the one that we have crucified. I, I I, I remember as a young Christian... And I'm um, going into Malone College at, and I'm and, and, um, going through all this stuff and starting to read these people of intelligence called um, theologians, you know. And one of them that I read was uh, uh, um, uh, King James Version Bible-believing crazy person who believed in, in Christ's salvation for everyone. And, and, uh, and he was a Pentecostal Baptist. And uh, he believed in once you're saved, you're always saved. And he, he, the reason I call him Pentecostal Baptist is because he believed he spoke in tongues, and, uh, which proved that he was saved. Um, this kind of a, a theologian, his name was Oliver B. Green. Does anybody ever remember listening to him? Anybody in the 60s, 70s? Well, he was one of the forerunners for what we have today in these televangelists and these people that are on the radio. Oliver B. Green, when I met him in the 1960s, he had been on the air since the early 1940s. And he said one time that um, he was getting chastised because he, he made his message change to meet the generation that he was preaching to. And he just challenged, all, and these were his Baptist friends, um, Baptist theologians. He said, if you guys want to, i got tapes here. You can come and listen to them. It's the same message. I'm not preaching anything different than I did in 1940, and this is 1970s. And then they shut up whenever they listened to him. 
He said, oh, he is preaching the same message. He was preaching Christ and him crucified for our death. Rick Warren, you mentioned Rick Warren. Rick Warren um, said to a, a four or 5,000 people that we were there in his um, preacher's seminar one time. And we stand there and he said, it was right after, right after his book, Purpose Driven um, um, Person, Purpose Driven Life, it was right after that, that time. I don't know if you know it, but that book just went crazy. And he, he said to us, he said to us in that meeting, and was talking about that book, and he gave us all a copy. He didn't sign it, but he gave us all a copy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, he said to us, he said, I want you to know when you look at this book, you won't find anything different. You won't find anything different. The message is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. Why God has blessed this book to do what it's doing, I have no idea. And he said, I'm not concerned with it. What I'm concerned with is getting the message out. It doesn't change just because we have five churches. At that time, he, had, um, he didn't have six and seven. He just had the five churches. I'll tell you, friends, everything has changed, hasn't it? You know, the music has changed. The architect changed. No stained glass windows anymore. Um, the orders of worship are different. Um, a style of preaching can be different. Um, but our message must remain the same. Our message must always remain the same. You know, one of the things that I miss more than anything is the openness of the altar. The openness of the altar. And most churches today, when they build new churches, there's no altar. There's rooms off to the side if you want to go and have prayer, but you don't embarrass somebody by having them go to the altar. I miss the altar time. Okay? What I guess I'm trying to say, the message is the same. If you want to write this scripture down, it's in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The message is the same. The results might be different. Do we remember when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? When he was done preaching, the people heard this and they cut, and they were cut to their heart and they said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And 3,000 people came into the saving grace of Jesus that day. Stephen, Stephen preached the same sermon in verse 40, 54 of that seventh chapter. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. <laughs> and, well, they stoned him, killed him. Didn't matter. The message stayed the same no matter what the response was. Let me give you a third thing just real quick. I, I thought it was unique that... In every crowd, in every church, in every place we go, there's always a soul in the crowd. Isn't there a soul in the crowd? Do you know what I mean? Um, one that doesn't know Christ, one, one of the bad guys, you know? One of the bad guys. When I went to our 50th um, university or um, high school um, reunion, uh, I sat at the table with my English teacher. <laughs> Can you imagine? And she said to me, she said, yes, I do remember you more than anybody else. (laughs) 
I said, geez, I'm sorry. And I apologized to her. And I asked her for forgiveness, you know. And she looked at me and she says, I'm glad you came to your senses. <laughs> because I was one of the bad guys. I was one of the bad guys. There's always a bad guy right in front of us. And I think we as Christians seem to um, take the bad guys and do what the world does, throw them away. And I want to share with you just this thought. We mustn't ever do that. We mustn't ever do that because we, 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 you hear that? Not just me, but you, we, and you folks at home, we need to remember that many of us was at one time one of them. Amen? Do you understand what I mean? At one time, we were one of the bad guys. <laughs> and the people we throw away and think aren't worthy, one day will be one of us. I know one day I'm going to walk across the portals of heaven, walk down the streets of gold, and there's going to be this nurse that's going to walk up to me and say, Oh, my gracious Lord, have mercy. I cannot believe you're here. And I'll look at her and I'll say, Thank you. Thank you for sharing Jesus Christ and him alone. It's all she did. It's all she did was share Jesus Christ. The message wasn't any different whether I accepted it or not. And then lastly, if you look at this, that we need to learn to be like the early churches, to quit throwing rocks and do what Stephen did. Reach out to those that were throwing the rocks. When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. It was nothing more than Jesus' statement on the cross, wasn't it? So he must have been there to hear that. The message must be the same, friends, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And the problem of it is, is when we live that out and try to be that blessing that God wants us to be, we're going to be taken advantage of. I don't know if you know that or not, but people will take advantage of you because they know you can't do anything else but be a Christian. And I want to tell you, every time I'm taken advantage of, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. What, what, I guess what my problem is, is what would make us think that people wouldn't take advantage of us? They did Jesus. And if they did Jesus, they're going to take advantage of everybody they can, anybody they can. They're going to take advantage of them. Jesus said it. It's in, Ma- in John, John chapter 15, verse 20. He said, a servant... It's never greater than the master. And since they persecuted me, naturally, naturally, they will persecute you. But the end result of that persecution because of the message is that we still love no matter what the response is. Did you get that? We still reach out that hand and say, I don't care how much you hit me. I don't care how much you hurt me. I don't care how much you abuse me. I'm still going to love you. Because I did the same things to Jesus. God wants us, even when we disagree and are offended. We see that in the United Methodist Church today, that there's no 
cordial response of love. It's just judgment. And we've heard so many people and been hurt by so many people. Our mission, in case you haven't heard it, is to do nothing more than change lives. There is um, salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Still the same, isn't it? Much the same today as it has been for 2,000 years. If we want this church to be great, and I think when I say that, like the original church, we need to get into the habit of lifting up the name of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Because as the song goes, it's all about him, amen? And we need to let everyone outside these walls know that we're not here to fight them or to argue with them, but we are here to love them and care for them. Our goal is to be the church that loves one another inside these walls so that we can love others outside these walls. Because, friends, if you can't love each other here, you can't love anybody outside. And we need people then that love Jesus and exalt his name above all. Praise God. I want us the Lafayette, or the LaGrange United Methodist Church. I want us to be that great church. And I want people outside of these walls to know that's who we are. Amen? And it takes an awful lot on our part because they know us as a church that argues and fights. We need them to know that we don't, that we love and care. Amen? The message... Not much has changed. The message is Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for that message this morning that helps us understand that not much has changed and that it shouldn't have changed. The message is still the same. How we deliver it and how we get to it is different. So help us to be one of those that are willing to step out of the box that we put ourselves in and to be a better witness of your love and your grace in our lives to all those you send our way. Help us to always seek not to be so much a blessed, but to be a blessing, Lord. Even if we don't agree, even if we're upset with everything that's going on around us, help us to understand it's not about us, it's about you. Lord, we pray this in your son's name today and seek that healing grace. Amen? Amen. Gosh. Well, let's stand together.